I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow, what a weekend we have coming up in college football in a few days. A couple of really great games in the state of Florida, both Saturday afternoon at 3.30. So get your TV sets ready. That's plural. You got LSU headed to the University of Florida. They're going to play there in the swamp. And Florida State travels to Miami for a big ACC game. Also, USF back in action at UMass. And UCF, the Central Florida Knights host Southern Methodist in Orlando. So we have Matt Baker, who covers college football for the Tampa Bay Times. He's going to break down all those games as we talk about college football on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, hey, if you're like me, you're sick and tired of paying these high electric bills. My last electric bill, this is so true, was over $300. That's insane. But if you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bills, listen to me now. May Electric Solar is a locally owned company. May Electric Solar is the safest solar available, does not use high voltage like many of the other companies, and May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all equipment and labor. They also use only their employees, no subcontractors ever. And May Electric Solar has a full showroom, and you can see their products there open during the weekdays. Stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving 90 to 95% now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Matt Baker covers college football for the Tampa Bay Times. He will be at the Miami-Florida State game this weekend, and there's a couple of great games. But, Matt, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, maybe last week we'll move on to the Florida-LSU game here in just a second. But it was quite a challenge, I thought, and you you kind of chronicled it all week. Dan Mullen going back to Mississippi State. Those folks, they wanted some revenge, I think, for uh, for Dan leaving <laughs> them. And that had to be a crazy atmosphere. I know you sampled some of the cuisine and the whole deal up there. Tell us what that was like in Starkville, because if you've never been to Starkville and heard the cowbells, it's a unique experience, right? It absolutely is. Well, let's start with the important stuff. I ate extremely well. I mean, Starkville (laughs) is a very stark uh, town. It it, it gets a bum rap, but I will tell you this. People there are about as nice as I've ever met, and the food Mm -hmm. was out of this world. Um, Of course, I had what used to be called the Mullen, and now is called the Lateral Move. It's a uh, delicious frozen custard concoction that was as rich as a dessert as I think I've ever had. But, um, yes, actual football. It was an intimidating environment. I mean, 61,000 people all ringing their cowbells. I actually wussed out, and I went to Walgreens before the game and bought earplugs just in case. Uh. I used them for about half the game. I know, I know. But my hearing's bad enough as is. I've been covered enough auto racing and stuff. I, I needed the help. Um so for Florida to go into such an environment like that where Mississippi State fans are very upset with Mullen, I think in a couple of years they might be able to sit back and reflect on yeah. all the good stuff he did there. But now it's still just too raw. So they absolutely hated him. And for, for Florida to go in 
against a top, you know, top at the time, top 25. I still think it a pretty darn good program. Mississippi State with a very good defense. I mean, you're going to see Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons uh, in the NFL. At some point, you'll be seeing what monsters those guys are. So for Florida to go in and play as well as they did, all things considered, holding them until me uh, six points and getting the big play when they needed it offensively, that was a heck of a win and very impressive for the Gators. Yeah, I and and you know the environment you mentioned that and and I guess it would have been easy and and I think you you mentioned this before we came on to sort of think that Florida wasn't going to be much of a factor this year, uh, especially in the SEC after the loss in Kentucky. But Mississippi State had lost to them as well. Turns out Kentucky's not maybe all that bad, but um, suddenly now Florida finds itself back in the thick of things at four and one, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I left him dead for dead after the Kentucky game, and I did that for a couple weeks reasons. They did not look very good. They looked, um, I would say, weak on the lines. They got pushed around. And I didn't think Kentucky was that great. Well, shame on me. The, the Wildcats are actually a very good team right now. I, I you know, As an mm-hmm. AP voter, I was contemplating putting them in the top ten in football, wow. which is something I never would have thought I would say. Um, and actually, it, Mark Stoops has a really big game this weekend against Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, his old boss at, at FSU. But um, – yeah, I left the Gators for dead, but they've come back to life. Um, the, the defense has played very, very well the last couple weeks. Um, shut down a pretty good Colorado State passing game a couple, uh, couple weeks ago. And then, again, mm-hmm. the performance on, on Saturday. I think they're I think uh, first in the country with 14 takeaways. Um, so that defense I thought was going to be pretty good, maybe, if things broke right. But they've been very good. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to continue it just because the secondary is so depleted. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State is a good running quarterback, but he could not throw at, well at all. So eventually, maybe Saturday against LSU with Joe Burrow, they're going to find a quarterback who can pick them apart that depleted secondary a little bit. So I'm, I'm still not 100% sold on him, but considering what I thought about him a couple weeks ago when I wasn't sure if bowl eligibility was going to happen, uh, you know, I would mm. feel a lot better about the Gators now. And LSU, I mean, Burrow is a guy that transferred from Ohio State. Obviously, LSU has always had great uh, athletes, good skill players. They play really, really hard on defense. Ed Orgeron, of course, um, his his teams usually play hard. But um, has Burrow been been sort of a, a difference maker for them this year in what they're able to do offensively? Yeah, he's not great, but he's good enough. And, and LSU, yeah. when you think about the quarterbacks they've had over the last couple of years, they haven't even had quarterbacks who are really good enough. Um, right. You know, the big thing that jumps out to him, zero interceptions this year. And again, I don't know how, if he's going to be able to continue that on Saturday and beyond, but he's been efficient enough. I mean, uh, they've got some some running backs like they, they always seem to. Um, Brosette guy, a, a freshman, has played well. And the big thing that jumps out is, is the defense. Williams in particular in the secondary and Devin at linebacker. They've got some dudes on defense like they always do. That, I, I've got them in the top five, and I've had for a while now, just because they're a big win over Miami, the opener, and then being able to win at Auburn. This is a very good team. I, it's, I'm still not 100% sold, and I don't know why. I think it's Ed Orgeron, and I keep waiting for his house of cards to fall or something like that. Right, but right. they've done mm-hmm. everything that they can so far. They have. And, um, you know, Orgeron, it's funny because he's got, you know, a year ago, I guess it was um, – Florida's defensive coordinator, which is at Mississippi State, did a really good job against LSU, Todd Grantham, and, and they were able to handle them a little bit. Sees a similar defense uh, in Florida. So 
Um, but, you know, Orgeron's one of those guys. I mean, LSU, when they've got it going, I think football is interesting again. When LSU is, is in contention in the SEC, this Florida-LSU series has always been a really, really good one. And, and the games, I mean, you mentioned it, they're, they're typically close. So this feels, this has the feel of a big-time SEC afternoon game that could, could mean something in the standings. So will the Gator fans, will this being in the swamp, um, I mean, this this has to be – a, a good test, not only for Mullen, but just for, you know, early program. I mean, if they're able to get over the hump at LSU, then suddenly, you know, this whole year looks different for Florida. Absolutely. I mean, that's a whole, that's a, that's a statement win if Mullen can get in in his first year. I mean, he, he we, we knew that the first year he was going to get a huge pass from the fan base, considering how poorly Jim McElwain recruited. He didn't leave him a ton in the cupboard, I would say, but if he can sure. somehow beat, you know, they crushed Tennessee a couple weeks ago in Knoxville. And then if you can add a, a win over another rival in LSU, and I think at the end of the year, they certainly, I would expect them to beat Florida State. We're you know, sitting here right now on the second day of October. So if you can get yeah. some of those rivalry wins, that's a big program builder for down the line. And I mean, I, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know that I'm going to pick the Gators to win, but yeah. they've got a chance. I mean, you look at how this series has gone the last couple of years. In 15, uh, LSU needed a fake field goal to win. In 16, that was the Hurricane Matthew change game uh, where the right. Gators played a home game on the road. Um, that went down to a goal line stand. That was one of the best in Gators history. And then last year, was it, you know, was it a doink extra point uh, away from, you know, uh, who knows what would have happened after that. So this is a series that's been very close. It's certainly the tension from Hurricane Matthew and everything else is ratcheted up in terms of the, the rivalry and where it stands in the Florida pecking order. Um, so I'm expecting a very good game. And if Mullen can pull it off, that's a huge statement in recruiting and everything else. And let's not forget, too, um, the, the Gators are honoring their 2008 national championship team. Um, so Tim Tebow, I, I think you've heard of him. Um, he's going to be inducted or honored during the game and inducted into the Ring of Honor. So there's a lot of extra kind of uh, extra credit that's stuff it. going on, too. Yeah, that's it. You can't lose now. It's Tim Tebow Day. You can't lose on Tim Tebow Day. Tim Tebow won't <laughs> let them lose on Tim Tebow Day. Um, yeah, the final thing I want another speech of some sort uh, that'll be uh, ingrained in uh, the swamp too. I'm telling you. And uh, speaking of quarterbacks and Florida quarterbacks, is Felipe Franks now sort of uh, entrenched himself as their guy for the whole year, or have oh, yeah. not? Uh, you think he's it? They're they're not going to probably uh, at some point run somebody else out there. Oh, yeah, he, he's the guy. Mullen said that after the Kentucky loss, I believe it was. Like, he's okay. our guy. Even if he, you know, he, if he's going to make mistakes, we're going to roll with it. He's got a long leash. And some of that is, too. I mean, uh, Kyle Trask still has not played a meaningful snap uh, in, in college. He was a high school backup. He's got a lot of talent. But I, I don't know. He, he's a great backup guy to have around, but I don't know if he's can be a starter at this level just because we haven't seen it. And the other option right. they have, Emory Jones, the blue chip early enrollee. From what limited stuff I've seen in practice and what have you, he is not ready. He, he might be the quarterback of the future, but the future is not LSU in 2018. So Franks is the guy, and, and he has to be. Is he better under Mullen, or is it just better because he's got experience playing now? I think it's some of both. Um, yeah. certainly having the experience is a good thing. Uh, you know, you understand the timing a little bit better, how much faster everything is, but I think Mullen's doing a better job of putting him in position to succeed. Uh, McElwain, I think was a little bit more rigid in his system than maybe he should have been. 
And and he and he would click the poll too. I, I'm not saying that Trenton didn't deserve to get benched against Michigan and later in the season as well, but you've got a young quarterback that can really mess with your psyche. And Mullen has made it quite clear. Look, Felipe, you're the guy. You know, if you go out there and as long as you're trying hard, you, I want you. You're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. We're going to learn from them. So I think that's given him some confidence to kind of, you know, again, grow and learn. And he, there's no question he has the talent. He has an NFL arm. Uh, yeah. he, I mean, it's, it's an absolute cannon. And he can move, too. He, he has these physical tools to be a very good quarterback at this level and potentially the next as well. It's all the mental stuff and understanding the progressions and the confidence. And Mullen, over the course of his career, has shown he can work on those things and, and groom very good players at this level and the next. And I think Franks is, is benefiting from that so far. Of course, the game that you'll be at is uh, Florida State at Miami, and Miami coming off a pretty big win, I guess, uh, during the middle of the week at North Carolina. Um, I don't know about Willie Taggart still, Matt. I, you know, when the season started and, and they absorbed some of those losses and um, you know struggled against the teams they did, it just it just looked like something was was not right. But they get a big win um, over Louisville, and DeAndre Francois probably played hit well. He did play his best game had, uh, what, four touchdown passes, I think. So have things settled down a bit in Seminole land with Willie Taggart? And what did they do differently on offense to help them? Things have settled down a little bit. I mean, it's always better when, you, when you're coming off of a win rather than a sure. loss. But I'm if I'm a Florida State fan, I'm still concerned. I mean, Louisville is not good. This is not the Louisville team that crushed him 63-20. to 20. Up, up there a couple of years ago with Lamar Jackson. This is a Louisville team that's kind of bad. I mean, one of the right. headlines I was seeing this morning nationally, uh, somebody found Bobby Petrino's contract, and apparently Louisville would owe him $14 million if they fired him. But those are the, that's the type of thing that's going on nationally with, with the Cardinals. So, yes, Florida State went up and won, but they beat a bad team because Bobby Petrino – made the foolish decision to throw it on first down with the lead and under two minutes left. So like, let, let's not, you know, let's not make a, a huge deal out of this. Um, I still think Florida state could be in some trouble down the line and the knock on uh, Willie Taggart when he was here at USF and when he was at Oregon was kind of his scheming and X's and O's. And so far through the first month of the season, I still have questions about those. Now that's not to say he can't figure things out either this year or down the line, but I don't know. I, I mean, I'm thinking about the Virginia Tech game I covered and how bad they looked, and then they barely yeah. beat Samford, which is a not great 1AA team, and then they were completely out of it against Syracuse. So I, I don't know. I, if I'm an old fan, I'm still concerned about it through, through one through one month. How bad, though, is, is uh, their offensive line? I mean, they weren't good to start with, then they had some injuries, and it seems like – you know, Francois is really and, – and I know some of this is scheme, but it seems like he really hasn't had a whole lot of time to do much back there. Yeah, the offensive line is really bad. Like, let, let's not sugarcoat it. And it got a little bit better when, when Landon Dickerson returned from injury. But Jimbo left them just a, a mess of a situation where the guys they recruited that were high level um, left for one reason or another – um, they've had injuries. I think they have one like actual offensive tackle, you know, that's able to play right now. So they've got guards playing here and there, and they're they're, they're a mess. I mean, I'm just rewatching a Louisville game, 
uh, three of Francois's first pass attempts, he was hit on. And yeah. that's kind of the way it was. In- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When I don't know how he survived through the season just because he got hit and hit and hit. Um, That's so true. So, so true. I, yeah, that kid it, hangs on to the ball and will stare down. But, but I mean, that's got to affect the guy when, he, when he's getting drilled like that. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. I mean, he, he's tough as nails, but at a certain point, it's it's not sustainable. And I don't know when that point is, but the FSU has been able to scheme a little bit around it with more of the bubble screens and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But what the Knolls what the really need to do is get the run game going. Yeah. Um, you know, what I, what I wrote in the, the today's Tampa Bay Times, I had a note that, you know, at, at Oregon and FSU his last two years, uh, Willie was top 10 in the country and uh, rushes of at least 10 yards. It's kind of your explosive run. This year, I think they are seventh worst in the country than Olzar. And that, that's even though they have Cam Akers, who's one of the most special running backs in the country, um, and Jacques Patrick, who's another five-star uh, running back, who's a, a kind of a bigger, the, the, the thunder to the lightning, if you will. So they've got talent in the backfield, but the offensive line has not been able to figure out ways to open up holes so those big runs aren't happening. And until they do start happening, FSU's offense is going to keep struggling. Yeah, what's interesting is Willie, when he came to Florida State, you know, he was this Stanford uh, Harbaugh-like, you know, pro-style running game, big on the run. And then he switched to the spread offense because uh, it wasn't going anywhere. And now he'd almost be better served to go back to his roots and try to pound the ball a little bit uh, because you know out of the spread they're just they're just getting their running backs knocked you know backwards. So um, I think the other thing I think the other thing Rick that that FSU's offense needs to do is it needs to find its tempo. You know that was one of yeah. the things that Willie's stress is is we're enough you know the Gulf Coast offense is, is spread out all over the field. But fast, it's yeah. fast. It's it's a fast tempo, and so far they're not that fast. I mean, they're they're running at a slower tempo than they did at Oregon and they did at, at Florida State as as well, or at um, USF as well. So until they get that offense really clicking with the speed, and I don't know if that's just something that takes a little bit of time, considering Jimbo had a glacial offensive pace uh, when when he was at FSU. But until that happens, we're not going to really see what this offense is capable of. But at, at some point, it has to. The Miami Hurricanes have made a change at quarterback, and then Cozy Perry took over uh, last week at North Carolina and did pretty well. He only he didn't throw a lot; he completed eight of twelve uh, for a touchdown. But what does he bring them uh, that they haven't had? And, and it looks like he's their quarterback now going forward. Yeah, he, he's the guy. He's officially replaced Malik Rozier. Uh, last week, Mark Rick was kind of coy about who was going to be the guy, but you know the. the Depth charts really today. It's officially Perry as, as QB one up there at the top. But what he brings is more. You know, what he brings is more upside. I mean, you kind of knew what you were going to get with Malik Rose. I mean, he, he could run pretty well. He could throw decently. He wasn't always particularly accurate. He was gritty. He, he was solid. He he was maybe a double, but there weren't a ton of times when he was going to go out and make a huge game changing play. He was more of a, a game manager. And Perry's just got 
a lot more upside. Now, the downside to his upside, if that makes any sense, is he's going to make mistakes. That's what young quarterbacks do. And there was a reason why he hadn't, it took him a little bit to get the starting job. I think he's going to make some bad passes. He's going to make some bad reads that Rozier really wasn't going to. But here's the thing for Miami is they have a good amount of talent. They're still technically with one loss. I guess they're still in the college football playoff conversation. If they were to win out, particularly if they were to beat Clemson for the ACC title, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it, it could. So I think they're at a point now where their schedule as soft as it is, they need to start playing for the upside and because they can, and they need to really be impressing if they're going to make a run at anything. So to me, I think it was the right call. You knew what you were getting with Rozier and it was going to be a bunch of okay and with some not okay in there. And I think the volatility here, you know, why not go with a guy with a higher upside, let him learn and then see what can happen in uh, November and December. They seemed as a team, and I, you know, when I think of Miami, I always think of their defense, and they're still a very, very good defense. But they seem, you know, as a team, to get a little bit of their swag back. Um, that that's how Miami. That's when they're at their best, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, we saw that last year with the turnover chain. Now everybody's got their own. <laughs> oh my turnover god! Chain. There's the, the turnover chain saw at Oregon State is one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> I mean, we, we saw them getting their swag back. The, the best environment outside of the national title game I was at last year was Miami, um, down in Miami when they hosted Notre Dame on, on, in prime time. When, just when they were getting close to a turnover, you know, when somebody tips the ball at the line and the linebacker's diving for it, you could just, I can't describe it, but you could just feel the entire crowd like, ah, and they're waiting for the guy to catch it. And then the whole place tore up, even if it didn't happen. Um, that's not like anything I think I've really seen before. Um, and of course, turnover changed uh, back in its second iteration now. In some ways, it's even gaudier than before. So absolutely, they started getting that swag back last year. They've got a little bit more this year. I mean, obviously, the LSU loss, as bad as it was at the beginning of the year, put a dent in things. But this is a team that Again, given the, the quarterback change and given the rest of their schedule, I, they can absolutely start rolling here, uh, potentially beginning Saturday against a Florida State team that's in a much different phase of the rebuild process than uh, Mark Rick is right now. Uh, I think Florida State's in big trouble in this game. Um, what You mentioned Mark Rick, who had a lot of success, obviously, uh, at Georgia. What's been his sort of his hallmark so far at Miami? What's been his imprint? <sighs> Stability. I think is, yeah. is one of the big things because yeah. the, the Canes had not been stable. I mean, their Andy Shannon debacle, the Al Golden debacle. Yeah. But he's brought stability in terms of everything. He's had a commitment to facilities. You know, he invested personally in their indoor practice, football facility, uh, complex, whatever you call it. Um, so he's done that to kind of get them going. He's recruited at a very high level. Their 18 class was quite strong. Um, their 19 and 20 classes look good. You can make an argument they're going to be the best recruiting team in the state going forward. I don't know if it's going to stick, but I certainly think they could be. And and he gets it. I think is yeah. the other thing. I mean, he's you know he he uh, went to high school down in Boca. He went to Miami. I, he doesn't quite fit what I would think of a guy as, as the U. He doesn't have that same swagger. But the fact is, he knows the people down there. He knows he's seen up close what the U is when it is working and when it is clicking and competing and winning national championships. So I think having that connection to the past to try and bridge it to the future and help the program take the next step, 
think he's kind of brought all those things together where, you know, if I'm buying stock in a program right now in the state, I still think I'm buying Miami. Yeah, I think they're clearly the best team. Uh, I, I believe that. And there's a couple other teams in the state that would like to have a, a piece of that argument, and that would be USF and UCF. USF back in action this week at UMass and, of course, Central Florida. They're going to host SMU. Um, what do you – let's just take them individually. I mean, USF would love to duplicate what UCF did a year ago, and it looks like for all the world these two teams are headed for a big collision to determine uh, maybe the conference champion there. Um, what do you think of so far what Charlie Strong has done uh, at USF this year? Well, Charlie as a whole has, has done a good job the, you know, the season and a half and kind of uh, continuing what Willie built there. Um, but I have concerns with, with the Bulls. I mean, I, I covered their game against East Carolina. Was that a week and a half ago now? Yeah. They did not impress me at all. I mean, ECU mm. was not, is not a good team. They just aren't. And for USF to you know let them hang around as long as they did, and finally they were able to break through on a uh, one long run by Gators transfer Jordan Cronkite. I mean, I think I think USF had nine three and outs that game or something like that. Oh, wow. They were just a mess. And I, I unless something changed, I mean, too, we can go back to uh, the, the game against Illinois and the you know the fight in Lovies where the Bulls did not look good against a bad Illinois team. <sighs> I think at some point, unless something changes, it's going to catch up to them. We saw that last year where they were winning early on in the season, but something didn't seem quite right, and then finally caught up to them against Houston. So maybe this is the same deal, where if they keep playing like this, they're going to get nipped by somebody. I I don't think it's going to be UMass. UMass is is just absolutely terrible, Um, and they're going to be without their head coach, too. So yeah, it's not going to be UMass, but... Maybe at the end of the month it's Houston or something like that. If the Bulls keep playing with fire, eventually they're going to get burned. And finally, UCF defending their national championship, at least the mythical one that they claim on <laughs> in the state of Florida does on license plates everywhere. Um, look, is there any chance that they get any consideration for a big bowl game at the end of the year if they run the table again? And I, I, don't, I don't think it's impossible that they do go 13-0 and again. Well, they will get well, they'll absolutely get consideration for one of the big bowls because they're you know, right now they would be the group of five representative in the New Year six. So they'd go to the Fiesta Bowl or Peach Bowl or whatever yeah, it is. Peach Bowl or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but in terms of the playoffs, I think it's gonna, gonna happen, take right? an awful lot. Yeah, I think well, it's gonna take an awful lot. I mean, right now you you look at the scene, I mean there's Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, um and who I'm missing, Clemson. Clemson. Those are kind of your clear four. Some, one of them is going to screw up. It's, things don't go as they're supposed to in college football. So that's why the sport's so awesome. So one of them is going to slip. But I think it's going to take a lot more than that for UCF. Um, just because their schedule is so bad. I mean, they, they just crushed a, a pit team so they can say that they have an ACC win. But there's going to be a lot of teams through this year that are going to say they were able to beat Pitt and beat them handily. Pitt is not good. Um, and the, unfortunately for USF and UCF, the rest of the AAC is not great. I mean, Temple lost to Villanova earlier in the year. Um, you look at, uh, I know USF plays Tulsa here in a couple of weeks. Tulsa is one of the worst, probably 10 or 20 teams in the country right now. Um, obviously the Bulls have UMass. Uh, UMass is terrible. The, the AAC is just not where it needs to be. The the bottom of it is so weak that that's going to weigh down 
USF and more specifically here, UCF. So I think UCF's only chance, they need to crush everybody on their schedule that's left. Absolutely crush, starting with SMU. I'm talking they have to win by 40 and 50 points. And then they need some help. A Clemson loss. Maybe Penn State screws up again. Uh, Wisconsin with a number, another loss. So they're going to need some chaos in front of them to have a chance. It, it's unfortunate because you know I came away very impressed when I saw UCF uh, beat the fighting Lane Kiffin on a, a Friday in Orlando, <laughs> uh, I guess a week and a half ago. But they're just not going to have the opportunities. And even if the hurricane um, hadn't canceled the UNC game, UNC is garbage too. So it's unfortunate that that's where these programs are, where they need to beat everybody handily and somehow get lucky into the right power five matchups. But unfortunately that's where they are. I'll wrap it up with this. And uh, this is kind of a random question, but uh, Jimbo Fisher got in a little hot water, maybe a little hot water for grabbing a kid's face mask. You know, Jimbo, you covered him a long time. Um, Is that, is that out of his character? Or I I think, you know, we have evolved a little bit about what we accept now in college football, right? Yeah, I think it's, we've definitely evolved from the Bear Bryant days. Um, what, what, What flew back then is not what flies now. Um, I'm not surprised he did that. Um, he's, he's always been a very hard coach. I mean, Jameis Winston would, I think, be the first or one of the first to tell you that, and, and Jameis liked it. And some coach, some, some of the players are absolutely fine with that. It helps them get the best. I mean, it's kind of the, the Bobby Knight approach, right, where I'm going to sure. make practices so hard and be so hard on you that the games are easy. Um, and that's the way Jimbo was. I mean, he was known for uh, using some some potty words I can't say on this family podcast um, when he was at FSU. So I'm not surprised he, you know, he, he crossed that line if it was in fact a line at all. Um, mm-hmm. That's just kind of Jimbo. He's an old school football coach. He believes in building toughness and ruffling some feathers potentially. And he's trying to change a culture at A&M too. Let's not forget that part where yep. I think the Aggies got kind of soft under Kevin Sumlin. There was a little bit too much. <laughs> Jimbo would say there was a little bit too much kind of party nightclub atmosphere with the way the program <laughs> Really? Where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who knows? Um, so that's kind of the way things were, and he's still trying to fix that early on in his tenure and say this is not who we are anymore. It's not okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm not surprised that that's what happened, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jimbo does some things down, not necessarily grabbing a player or anything like that, but he's going to ruffle some feathers down the line too. Matt Baker will be at Miami, Florida State. Matt, this weekend you need to go to Joe's Stone Crab and get some Stone Crabs. I think they're in in October. That, that's, uh, that, that's good to know. I think I'm going uh, – I think I'm probably going to hit a drive through on my way down there. Just quick, easy, uh, <laughs> okay. in and out as fast as possible. I got you. It's a quick trip. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, that was kind of an awkward moment for Jimbo. I know he got a little crit. I just don't think you can do that anymore in college football. It's bad optics, and and you don't see it as much. But I know what he's saying about Jimbo trying to change the culture. And Jameis Winston was one of those guys I think he would do that with. And Jameis liked to be coached hard. He was a little more old school and was okay with it. But I don't think you'll see him grab many more face masks uh, while he's at Texas A&M. Great uh, college football talk. College football is really starting to get interesting now as we get uh, into October. And uh, it's just a great time of the year with Major League Baseball playoffs, with all that's going on. You know, hockey starting this weekend as, as the Lightning are going to host the Florida Panthers. Uh, so we're going to have lots to talk about 
this week, of course, and tomorrow. We'll take a look at this, uh, the weekend in sports, and we'll also preview that game between the Lightning and the Florida Panthers. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.